Now, One Hit Wonder, if you don't know what that is, it comes from its music industry. It's like a a band or a, a solo act that had one hit. And that was all they had. I mean, they didn't have another song, you know, another good song, anything you remember. You know, and I was kind of looking at some of them this week, and it seems like, it seems like the, the consensus uh, uh, one-hit wonder of all time is the Macarena. Do y'all know that one? I thought about trying to do that for y'all this morning, but uh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't encourage me, all right? Because <laughs> uh, my wife is sitting here. If she was in kids' church today. Uh, you might could encourage me to try it a little bit. You know, another, another one probably has to be an honorable mention on just about everybody's list is who let the dogs out. You know, you ever, okay, so those were groups, you know, and yeah, you listen to those, you say, well, no wonder they were one hit one. And you wonder why those were even hits, right, in the first place. But uh, they were. But just because something is a one-hit wonder doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that was all they, they had that we really jumped on and enjoyed because actually they were hits. They touched the nerve. They connected somewhere. Now, be honest. Let's be honest. How many of us, when we're reading through the Bible, we get to the book of Jude and we see it's only 25 verses, no extra chapters. You know, just, just, I mean, it's not even divided into chapters. It's just divided into verses. You know, so when somebody says Jude 25, they mean 25. There's not a chapter and a verse. And so you look at that and you think, ah, there's probably not anything here. And you kind of want to just skip over it and just go to something else. And there are several uh, books of the Bible that are kind of like that. And just let's admit it. Sometimes we skip over those because we think there's not a whole lot in there. But can I tell you something? Jude has so much in it. We could preach two months easy. I have actually done a three-week sermon series, uh, not since uh, we launched 2911, but pastoring beforehand. I've actually preached a three-week sermon series beginning with one verse in the book of Jude. Of course, I was going back to other scriptures throughout the Bible, but in one verse, there is so much that is here. So listen, you got to have listen fast. And you probably need to go ahead and plan to go to the Sundays page later. I mean, if you really want to hear what God is speaking, then plan to go to the Sundays page because there's definitely some information on the Sundays page that I am not going to get to today. And there's something very important there that I really would like for you to see that I know I don't, I don't even have in my delivery notes in my mind today to share with you because I just know I don't have time. So let's get to the book of Jude, okay? Some good, awesome stuff here. Jude, chapter one, uh, I'm I'm sorry, verse one, two, and three. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Okay, those who are loved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So who is this for? Those who have been loved in God, the Father, and those who have been kept, those who he's held on to. All right, I hope that's me. Don't you hope that's you? I, I, I hope, I plan that to be me, that, that I am one of those that God keeps, that, that he doesn't just keep me to today, but he keeps me all along, okay? So he's talking to me because I want him, I want to be kept uh, for Jesus Christ. Mercy and peace and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. I can sympathize with Jude here because there's a lot of times I want to preach something. I want to just be an encouragement or what, and then, but we got to preach warnings and we got to preach some of the, there's evil and there's, there's bad. And and so, so he says, I really wanted to just talk to you about our salvation, but I got to talk to you about contending for your faith. You need to contend for your faith because there's a war going on for your faith. You know, I, I, I can imagine, you know, like 
don't you think just every once in a while, Nick Saban would just like to be a, a little league coach, you know, that whether the kids win or lose, you get to take them down to the concession stand, get them all a free Coke, you know? Or when I, they not do that anymore? I meant they did that when I was a kid, you know? Of course, you always like to get there down there before they started filling them up so you could ask for a suicide instead of just a Coke. You know, if you don't know what a suicide is, see me later and I'll explain it, okay? Uh, but, you know, that was the, 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 the joy part of sports to me is, is back, you know, when I played or when I coached Little League, you know, and getting to take those kids down there. And, and I, you know, you think maybe Nick Saban kind of wishes every once in a while he didn't have to just, but there was always something else to teach. I mean, you know, it's easy, it's easy for us to say, uh, uh, you know, go to the University of Alabama and you'll win championships. It's easy to just say that, but there's a whole lot behind all of that. There's some work. There's some effort that's there. And so, you know, we sometimes might want to just say, man, I just want to buy everybody a Coke or, or here at 2911, we just want to give you some coffee, you know. I, I just want, you know, want everybody to just have a great time together. But we need to recognize, realize, and understand your faith is under attack. And if all we do is hand out coffee and we don't talk about the attack that is coming against our faith, if we, if, if, we don't, if we don't contend for the faith, and listen, this is a church that contends for your faith. We don't want you to just be here on Sunday. We want you to go, you know, it's not like we, we, we don't want you to just leave here on Sunday thinking you got a bunch of friends. We want you to leave here on Sunday knowing that you have a bunch of brothers and sisters who are helping you fight for your faith. Let, let me give you this warning. Let me give you this warning. is there are most people out there looking for churches today. They're not looking for a church that teaches truth. Ask them, when somebody says they're looking for a new church, ask them what they're looking for. They'll say, well, I'm looking for a church that's friendly. Thank God, that is, that is the thing I hear most about Church 2911 is what a friendly church it is. But we're not here to be the friendly church. We don't want to be known as the friendly church. I don't want you to leave here today thinking, man, I got a bunch of friends. I want you to leave here today knowing you've got some people who will fight for you. I want you to leave here today knowing that, that you've got somebody that you can text or call or, or email or, or, or send them a Facebook message and you know that they'll be there for you. They'll be praying for you. Or they'll give you an encouraging word. They'll meet you for lunch. Or, or that's what we need to know. That's what you need to know. There, there, there are people who are uh, choosing churches because of the events they have or because of the style of the field. And we work on those things around here, okay? Those things are important because we know that's important to people. But here, here, here's the warning. Never, ever, never, never attend a church, including this one, that does not continually seek after truth purely, completely. If this church stops seeking after truth, then find you another one. Some of you are going to move away one day because of jobs or because of family situations or whatever, and when you move away, you'll have to find another church. Never attend one. Don't look for one that is just friendly. Look for one that is seeking the truth, and hopefully you'll find one that is friendly too. I mean, I really believe that, that, that 2911 is fulfilling all of those things for you, but the most important thing we do is not be friendly to you. The most important thing we do is point you to truth. And some of you are going to be pulled away. Some of you are going to be pulled away by friends or family and say, hey, you need to come here. You need to try, come, come over and visit us for a little while and whatever. And, and listen, I, you know, if you belong somewhere else, we want you to be where you belong. That might come up a little later in the message. Because we, we say that around, everybody ought to attend a church they brag about. Everybody should. 
And so if you belong, we, we understand that. But you be careful that you aren't drawn away because what you can do is you can unwittingly find yourself being in a church and being, and being poured into with corrupted truth. And why do you issue that warning, Pastor? Because it might happen? Nope. Because it is happening every single week. People are being drawn away from churches that are preaching the truth to go to something else. And, and I look around, I say, I, I can't imagine anybody finding a friendlier church in 2911. I can't imagine anybody finding a church that doesn't pour more uh, stuff into you through the messages, yes, but through small groups and things like that to pour into you, to help you and enable you to fight the fight that you need to fight to contend for your faith and the faith of your families and the faith of your future. I can't imagine another church that would do that. But still, some of you are going to be drawn away. You're going, to be, you're, going to be, you're going to be enticed. Make sure that if you ever do, if you, if you move away for whatever reason, you only find a church that speaks the truth. So let's talk about truth, okay? Let's talk about truth because, see, here's, here's the problem. Here's the issue that is here with truth is that we search for truth on predetermined paths. You know what that means? It's kind of like that lady, uh, a, a, a cop late one night found a lady on the street. She was down on her hands and knees and she was just crawling around, crawling around. And he came up and said, ma'am, can I help you? And she said, I've lost my earring. And so he gets down on his hands and knees, you know, with his flashlight, looking around, everything, and they're crawling around. And, and he said, he said, ma'am, are you sure you've lost it? It's not in your pocket. And she, she says, no, it's not. So about an hour later, he finally says, ma'am, Exactly where did you lose your earring? Because he's crawled all up and down that block. And she said, well, I actually lost my earring over on, on Main Street, but the lighting is better here on Oak, so I thought I would look for it right here. You know what she was doing? She was predetermining where she would find what she would find, and she was not going to find what she was really looking for. When we predetermine the place, when we predetermine the where, truth is found, when we predetermine how truth is found, and when we predetermine which truth is found, then we are corrupting the search for truth. When you, when you start a, a approaching truth as if you, I, I want to find truth, but I want to find it this way, and I want it to fit here, and I want it to feel good here. When you begin to say, I want truth, and I want it in, to fit in these three things, all of a sudden, you have corrupted truth, and you will not find truth. You must open yourself completely. And, and a good example of that it's because I, I know, I know if, if you're not a Christian today, you'll say, well, well you're telling us we've got to find truth in the Word of God. No, let me tell you. You put aside the Word of God and you look for truth and you get serious about looking for truth in any area of this whole world and you will find truth. Because God's Word also tells us that He has written His Word even in nature, that we see what He is doing. A good example of this is Lee Strobel. I encourage you, if you've got questions about your faith and about truth, Google Lee Strobel and look at his testimony and see that how this atheist began looking at, at, at the law and, and the, the law that man has, but also the nature that is out there. And he began adding all these and, and, and challenging himself week after week after week and coming to the same conclusion that we come to when we read the word of God, that yes, there is a God who loves us and who died for us and who rose from the dead so that we can live eternally. When you look for truth, purely look for truth you're going to find truth. But if you begin, if you begin to say, but I want truth to fit right here, you're corrupting the truth that you're going to find. And that's what Jude talked about. So let me just show you as quick as I can, these many, many, many examples that, that Jude throws at us in, in uh, in his, in his book, this is verse four, where he talks about deceivers and, and he talks about these and he says, what, what they do is they say, grace allows immorality. 
Because of grace, we can do whatever we want to. Because of grace, we can live like we want to. Because of grace, we can feel like we want to. Because of grace, we can say what we want to. Because of grace, we can do anything we want to because of grace. And he, and he said, those are deceivers. And look what it says at the end of that verse. It said, the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master, Lord Jesus Christ. Claiming grace and saying grace allows us to do anything, according to Jude, moved upon by the Holy Spirit to write these words, says, says uh, claiming that is denying our master and Lord Jesus Christ because he died for your sin. And he did not die for your past sin so that you could live in worse sin tomorrow. He didn't, he didn't rescue you from your yesterday so that your tomorrow can be horrible. He rescued you from your yesterday, your now, and your future so that you can walk in, in, in newness of life, not walk in the same old life that you had. He said the condemnation is already written. Uh, the next verse, verse, verse 5, he talks about the, the, the Israelis. The, the, here, here's, here's a good example of this. is the is Israelites who, who left, uh, God delivered them out of, out of Egypt. And God delivered them. Okay, think about this as a perfect example for us when we've been delivered from our sin. Yet then they began to disbelieve God. Or what, what, what he's meaning here is they didn't follow in belief. And then when he said, okay, now I've gotten you out of Egypt, but now let me tell you some other things. Like, no, I don't want to hear that, God. All I wanted was to be delivered. All I wanted was to be free. I'm free now. I don't want to hear anymore. And look what, look what it says. Is they, they were destroyed. They died in the wilderness. They were delivered from Egypt, which is a symbol to us of sin, but they died in a wilderness of their own sin and their own because even though they, they accepted God's deliverance, the blessing, they didn't want to accept the rest of who he was. And because of that, because they wouldn't accept all of God's truth, they perished in their own wildernesses. Uh, and then the next one is at verse six. He has how the fallen angels went beyond their authority. That, uh, that's a sermon in, in and of itself. I'm coming back to this thought right here, so I won't say much here. But these angels, they, they went beyond the authority that God, and God had to cast them out of heaven. Go on to verse 7. Uh, and, and this is Sodom and Gomorrah, who indulged passions contrary to truth. And whatever the truth was, they indulged, they indulged passions regardless of what the truth was. And I know some of you probably want me to really get on gay marriage here right now, right? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that's the truth that is under attack more than anything right here, right now. And let's get on that. But let me remind you, sin is anything that is in opposition to God's truth. And whereas marriage was created for mankind, meaning both genders, you know, mankind, not just man, Marriage was created for mankind, and marriage was created as one man and one woman, and sex was created for marriage. That's how it fits, and that's how it works. So you know what that means? That means anything outside of that is against the truth and is sin. So sex outside of a monogamous relationship committed between one man and one woman is outside of truth and is sin. That, and, and when we refuse to listen to truth but continue to indulge in passions of sex outside of marriage between one man and one woman, when we, when we, then we are committing sin. And to God, sin is sin. There aren't big ones and little ones. There aren't white ones and 50 shades of gray in between white and black. There is white, there is black. There is right, there is wrong. There, there is sin and there is right. There is truth and there is sin. 
And, 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 and anything outside of that is sin. So instead of beating everybody up about your particular pet peeve, sin, recognize that all sin is outside of the truth of God. Uh, verse 8, and this is where we um, uh, get back a little bit to this, talking about the, the angels there as well, the fallen angels. He talks about the dreamers here. And l- let's read a little bit of this. It said, in the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. What he's saying here is, is people who have dreams and dream, oh, but this is okay because God gave me this in a dream. Or I had a vision and this is what we need to do. I have, I have heard two stories this week of, uh, of church or parachurch ministries that have been so totally outside of Scripture. It, it, it boggled my mind that people would still go and read Scripture and hear somebody teach that that's not what that means because I had a revelation. Now listen, the Word of God says that in the last days, men will dream and men will have visions. But they must match up with the Word of God. And when they don't, you have to reject them. And when somebody, I mean, the biggest thing here in the book of, uh, of, of 2 John, you'll see John talking about this also, is he says what they have done is they have gone beyond the truth. They, there's a truth here, but they've gone beyond it, and they've tried to make more of it than, than there actually is, and they try. And here, here, here's, here's the words you'll hear from some of these prophets, these dreamers, is you will hear that, I've heard, I've gotten a secret revelation. There are no secret revelations, especially if they don't match up with the word. When you hear secret or when you hear personal or you hear, you hear that kind of a thing and they try to give it to the whole church, sirens ought to go off in your head and then you need to get the word of God out and see if it matches. And if it doesn't match up, you have to discard it because it's a false teaching. It's outside of truth. You can't do that, okay? So that's, that's what he's talking about there with the fallen angels. They went beyond the truth, and he kicked them out of heaven. So if he kicked them out of heaven, he's probably not going to allow us in if we're doing the same thing. We have to be very careful about truth, okay? Let, let me hurry, because right here in verse 11, there are three examples. This is really where I wanted to preach a good bit, and this is where this verse is the one that I talked about. I, I preached a, a three-part series on one time, but let me tell you this real quick if I can. He, he mentions Cain. Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. You know what Cain did? I don't, know, I don't know if you know the story of Cain, but Cain and Abel, they both brought sacrifices, offerings to God. And Abel brought of the sheep that he would raise, but Cain brought, because he was a farmer, he brought vegetables and you know, things out of his garden. And God was displeased because God wanted them to bring a blood sacrifice, and Cain just didn't care. And, Cain, and imagine this, Cain kept bringing God vegetables, he kept bringing him produce when God says, I don't want that. Wouldn't that be crazy? You know, for you to bring $100 today and God say, I didn't want your $100. You know, it'd be crazy. Put it back in your pockets. You don't go spend it on something else. If God's, but Cain kept bringing it. It was as if Cain says, no, I'm going to keep worshiping you even though you don't like the way I worship you. You cannot worship God on your terms. You know, you can't. That would be like you buying your, your girlfriend Valentine candy that you love even though you know she doesn't love it. So you get to eat it later, right? I mean, we do that kind of thing. Some of us wouldn't we, yeah. But that, that's, that's, what, that's what it would be like. That's what Cain did is, is, is he said, I'm still, you know, it wasn't just that, that he wouldn't do it right. He insisted on doing it wrong. You know, he said, I'm going to worship you. On my, you cannot worship God on your terms. 
And, and what's my second point there? Uh, jump to, I got, we cannot worship God on our own terms. What's the second point there? Just remind me real quick. Tr- oh, truth is not what feels right. You got to hear this, okay? Uh, I need about 30 minutes here. I can't take it, but I need it. Truth is not what feels right or what is best for you. I can't tell you the number of people that I have heard and they make this mistake in their truth. They say, well, I have to do what's best for me. Says who? I have to do what feels, what, but it feels right. I know everybody else says it, but it feels right. Can I tell you something? Hitler did what was best for him. How'd that work out for the rest of us? Jeffrey Dahmer did what feels right. You, some of you younger ones may not know who that is. But he was a cannibal in this country, in my lifetime. He did what felt right. 19 terrorists on September 11th, 2001, did what felt right to them. The person who molested you did what felt right. The person who abuses you is doing what is best for them. The spouse who cheated on you did what felt right. The thief who broke into your house and stole from you, the coworker who lied about you, cost you your job, they all did what was right or what felt best to them, and that is not truth. Okay, these are two lies right here that you need to write down what feels best or what is right or best for me, what feels right or what is best for me is truth. That is not truth. You need to write those two down. You need, you need to run from anything that starts telling you in your mind, but this is best for me. That is not truth. But this feels right. That is not truth. There is truth that goes beyond our passions and beyond what is right for this next moment that creates for us an awesome eternity. Second one in there is Balaam. I don't know if you know who Balaam is, but Balaam was the guy that Balak hired to come and, and speak a curse over God's people. Think about what Balak is doing. Balak is saying, I want God to curse Israel. And so I've hired a guy to come prophet, prophesy over Israel. What he was doing is he was chasing after a truth that wasn't there. He was trying to create a truth. He was like a lot of people today. He was going to the word of God to try and prove something that he felt that he wanted to be right. Looking for truth that wasn't there twisting or manipulating the Word of God to try and make it fit something that we've already decided is truth. And that's that's something that churches and people are doing today. Christians are doing today, and they're not realizing. We have to start at a place where we're empty of truth and say, God, show me what truth is, not come to him with a predetermined truth. Uh, Give me my my next thought right here. Uh, Curses, yeah, he was the cursor. Um, Today, you know, Balaam, he was hired to curse And three different times he tried to curse God's people. And every time he opened his mouth, a blessing came out. You know, because he was, was, man, I've I've taken this money. I'm going to curse God's people. And every time he'd open his mouth, God would just fill his his mind and fill his heart and fill his mouth and fill his tongue with blessings. And there's a lot of cursing of the church today. People who say we're uncaring, we're unloving because we don't want to allow some things. The reason we don't want to allow them because they're not truth. And because of that, we're uncaring, we're unloving, so they're cursing the church today. And coming out of that are two groups of people. 
I could probably divide this in about 10, but I'll divide it into two. There are two main groups of people that come out of this. It's when the, curse, when, when the church begins to be cursed by the people around it say, you're unloving, you're uncaring. There's one group of people who want to make peace so badly, they will do whatever it takes, they will do whatever it costs, even at the expense of truth. And they will change the rules, and they will change the way that we speak and we do things. But then there's another group of people that says, no, I will stand for truth no matter what it takes. And they will stand forever. Those who, you hear me, those who stand for truth will stand forever because the cursors will not have the last word. They will not. The one who has the last word is the creator of this universe. The one who chose what truth would be, who wrote it down, who created it, the one who is truth. He will have the last word. And if we embrace anything besides truth, we're going to find ourselves in error in the very end. Because truth is, is the only thing that, 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 will, that will last and will matter. And, and the last one is Korah. Let me tell you about Korah. Korah, Korah was mad at Moses. And Korah wanted to be leader, and so Korah went and got himself a posse. Servants of God do not need posses. So I, I say this to you because I want to I I caution you about something. There are a lot of people out there that they try to gather people around them to, you know, if I, if I can get everybody around me to believe with me and everything, then, then I'll get my way. Servants of God do not need posse. Somebody comes to you to get you on their side, they're probably not following God because if you're following God, you don't need anybody else. David reposted something, uh, shared something that um, I think it was Tony Evans said this week on, on Facebook. That, that when Gideon had to, had to fight a, an army and, and God made him whittle his army down to 300 people, that maybe Gideon could have said, God, you want me to fight this army with 300 people? And God said, no, I want you to fight this army with 300 people and me. And when you've got God, it doesn't matter who else is on your side. Servants of God do not need posses. And when somebody comes to try to get you on their side, then you need, you need to say, so, wait a minute, something ain't right here. I don't want you to be on my side today. I want to be on God's side and I want you to be on God's side with me. I want us to be on God's side. We don't need posses. And Jesus reminded us of that as well. He said, you don't need to go talk people into that. You need to talk people into following after me. We don't need posses. And, and, and what's my next? Uh, the, the, uh, let's, let's face it. Let's be honest. Societal changes in this country that are happening do not happen because truth changed, but because public opinion changed. You just be honest. Why are we changing what we're changing? Because of public opinion. And is public opinion truth? Does the fact that 60% of people believe this make it truth? Or 80% or even 100% of people make it truth? No, it doesn't. Here, here, here's a question that I've got for you. What has changed in my generation? What has changed about truth in my generation that is causing us to throw away truth that has been known for centuries, even millennia? Because a lot of people think they're just rebelling against their parents or they're rebelling against the previous generation or they're rebelling against the previous administration that was in the White House. But in reality, the changes we're making and the changes we're demanding that this, this culture, this society, this, this country is now demanding, these have been long held, centuries old, millennia old, thousands of years Every nation, every people, I'm not, I'm not saying there wasn't sin. I'm not saying there wasn't the same sin that we have today, but never has a people so embraced it as much as this culture that you and I are living in today. And that we are legislating the change and say, not only do we want to live this way, but we are legislating it to that we can live however we want to and nobody can say anything about it. Public opinion does not change the truth. 
That's one you need to write down. What everybody thinks doesn't, you don't need to take a survey to find out what truth is. That's, that's not where you're going to find truth. Reading the latest poll is not going to tell you what truth is. I can give you a shortcut, shortcuts in the Word of God. But if you have not yet believed that the Word of God, the Bible, is the Word of God, if you have not yet believed that, then you've got a little bit longer road to go. But if you believe the Bible is what you already have truth, you don't need to do a poll to find out what it is. And then Jude, like me, said, we've got to wrap this thing up. And so in one verse, he throws out five. All right. And here's, here, here's a good one for you, to, for you to note. You know, one of the reasons we say everybody ought to attend the church they brag about, because if you ain't bragging about your church, you're probably complaining about it. He mentioned them up there, the next slide. I'm sorry, verse 16, I believe it is. Yeah, grumblers and malcontents. Then he also talks about those who are lustful that change the truth so it matches what their lusts are. And he talks about the boasters, those loud mouth boasters and those flatterers who show favoritism and change the truth to try and favor so they can get some favor. Okay, so he wraps those up real quick. And uh, so we, we, we got all these attacks against truth. We've got all these deceivers. And this is what 1950 years ago Jude wrote. And this book, this little bitty book of 25 verses that you have ignored probably most of your Christian life speaks to us right now in the middle of our day. 1950 years ago, truth hadn't changed. And people haven't changed. And it speaks to us today. Truth is under attack. Your faith is under attack. Satan wants to get you away from God in your faith. But if he can't do that, he wants to corrupt the truth that you believe about God. And it's under attack today. And I, I, could, get more, I could get more passionate about this right here. I could get incensed. It's an old word, kind of means angry. I could get angry because, you know, it's not me. I'm, I'm not worried so much about me. I'm not as worried about David. I'm not as worried about Cliff. I'm not as worried about some of these Caleb's that say, I know, where, I know I'm headed to heaven. I'm worried about these younger ones that all of their life they have heard the attacks against truth. They have heard the public opinion that is trying to twist. That's what I'm worried about. And I want you guys to hear this today and understand this and guard yourselves. Because most of, our, most of our teens and our young single adults, they don't have parents at home who are talking to them about these things, getting the Bible out, open your app or something. I mean, it, get it out. They don't have that. And explain, no, this is what truth is. That's why they need to hear it. So, so what, what are you going to do about it, Pat? How, how do we protect ourselves? Let me tell you how to protect yourself real quick. Jude concludes his book and these last five, six verses, and we've got a slide up there for it, but we're not going to read those verses there. He concludes his book basically by telling us we, need, we have to maintain our spiritual disciplines. He reminds us we need to go back to the words of the, of the apostles. You know, like you and I, you know what they had to do? They had to remember it. Wait, I heard that read one time because they didn't have, you know, five copies of the Bible laying around their house. They didn't have that. They didn't have an app where they could pull up 
or, or a phone where they could pull up multiple apps of the Bible. They had to try and remember what the disciples told them. And we read it that one time, and I, and I hope the Bible, you know, that copy of the Bible comes back around one day and we can read it again. That's what they had to do, but you have it. You have it right there. Read what the apostles of Christ wrote in the New Testament. Read what Jesus said. This is what he's saying is, is you got to read that and you got to pray. And pray in the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those places where I wish I was talking today about praying in the Holy Spirit. But instead I've got to talk about, man, we're under attack. We're going to get there though, okay? Don't worry. Hang in. We're going to get there one day. Real soon. This is what he said, maintain spiritual discipline. Let me, let me explain what this means. And, and, and I want everybody to get this. Let me explain what this maintain and why this support it. This beautiful lady on the front row here, you know, that I've been married to for 35 years, since she was four years old, she's 39, right? Yeah. If my relationship with her, if I saw her or if I spoke to her twice a week and only by phone, there were some of you probably that could call me up on the phone and you could confuse me into believing that you might be my wife, Deva, right? And imagine if all of our communication, those two times a week were text. Oh man, I'd be at everybody's mercy. Are you, are you catching this? If my relationship with her is just a couple of times a week and it's just text, I'm at everybody's mercy. Anybody with my phone number and a cell phone can probably deceive me into believing that they are my wife instead of her. And, and what if, if I ever did see her, but it was always from 30 feet away, get my glasses off of me, and there's probably about 30 women in here that change your hair color, and I would believe 30 feet away that you were my wife. I would catch sight of you and say, wait a minute, is that, is that Deva? It would be easy. I could easily be deceived when my relationship is that superficial, that shallow, that insignificant. You catching where I'm going? But that's not my relationship with my wife. That's why you can't deceive me. I see her face every single day. I hear her voice every single day. I share with her what is troubling me and she shares with me what's on her heart too. And you know, so for you to make me believe you're my wife and deceive me into believing you're Deva, well you first, you're gonna have to have plastic surgery probably, change the color of your hair, and you're going to have to learn how to talk like her. I mean, there's, there is no way you can deceive me face to face that you are my wife. But let me take it one step further. Because, and I'm going to, I'm going to use a broad term here, okay, so we don't, don't get embarrassed, all right? But because we are intimate, you think about the understanding that we have of one another and when we have such that type of relationship with God that we are daily seeing him face to face, not just reading texts, but, but spending time hearing him speak to us from the word and spending time sharing with him what is on our heart and what is hurting us. And not just trying to meet him in that empty way, oh, I've got to read this chapter today because I always got to read a chapter a day. But it, it, 
trying to really get to know who he is and see him face to face and hear his voice speak to us from those words. And when we, when we develop our relationship with him and we grow it deeper and deeper and deeper, we get to a place with him of intimacy that there is no deception that will ever make us believe anything except who he is and what truth is there. So if you don't want to be deceived, maintain your spiritual disciplines. Take them deeper. Get to know him. Be intimate with the Son of God. One last little thing. Would you stand with me and come to the front? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front. We invite you to join us. We don't do anything weird. We just like to close around front with a final quick thought, a prayer, and a song. Worship teams making their way around to, to get in place to lead us in that final song. Please join us, if you will. And it's not enough. Here's the last. Listen, if you've got if you've got a prayer need, if you're sick in body, you need somebody to pray with you to believe for healing. If you're your marriage, you know, y'all are going through just a whole lot of stuff. That doesn't mean you're beating each other up. Just going through a lot of stuff. Say, man, pray. I need somebody to help me pray, Pastor. We're going through a lot of things. We've had a lot of attacks from outside our family coming against us. Man, that's, you you know, just let a prayer team member know. We want to pray with you. Here's closing thought. It's not enough for you to just not be deceived. You also need to be a part of bringing the truth to the rest of the world. Okay? Contend for the faith. Not just your own. Contend for the faith. Because it's under attack out there. As long as we keep the word of God just right here in us, it's going to keep getting beat up out there. You know, I, I, I asked God again yesterday, I said, God, how do, you, how do you just stand back and let all this happen? He's chosen us. He's chosen us to contend for the faith. He's not standing back. He's saying, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Here's three things he shared with me for me to share with you in closing is this, is you need, we need to be the light. You know, here's, here's the problem we've all got, most of all of us, is whenever truth comes under attack, it seems like we can find a lot more baseball bats in the church than candles. You go on Facebook, you find a whole lot more Christians with baseball bats beating everybody up than you do candles and just sharing what is the truth. And so that's the second thing. Share the word. Share the word. You don't have to embellish it. You don't have to add your opinion and your ideas. It is strong enough all by itself. Share the word. Share the word because, you know, here, here, here's what some people ask me. Why, why, don't you, why don't you share your stuff? Because, Pastor, you got a lot of opinions about a lot of things going on. Why don't you share more of that on Facebook? I could share a lot of opinion, but when I speak as a pastor, people, uh, people outside of the church say, okay, that, that, that must be what Christianity thinks. I'm speaking for God. I want to be careful when I speak for God. I don't think I'm speaking for God all the time, but a lot of people do, so I have to be careful. Share the word. And playing off that is speak the truth. Speak the truth. Because here's the thing. Um, last little thought, we'll pray. Just speak the truth. It's the last little thing here. When you speak your opinion, you're going to make somebody mad, right? Somebody. And it is hard to lead somebody to Jesus Christ that you have made mad. It is hard to lead somebody to Jesus Christ 
that doesn't like you, that despises you, that hates you. You say, well, pastor, everybody's supposed to always like us. Nope, that's not what I'm saying. But when you speak truth and you share the word, what people hate is not your opinion. They hate Jesus. They hate his truth. And Jesus knows how to reach people that hate him. But you ain't Jesus. So don't share your opinion. Be the light. Share the word. Speak the truth. I'm going to pray that prayer over you right now.